Welcome back to Indie Basketball, the podcast. This is where Indie Rock meets the NBA's finest. Today we got a one-on-one conversation. It's playoff time. Uh, and we're talking with the man Sergi Lukov from the band Sam I Am and Knapsack. Sam I Am's got a new record out um, called Stowaway. You should check it out. We're going to talk Warriors, playoffs, lots of stuff from the 90s scene, um, what it means to be punk rock, lots of good stuff. So check it out. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining, dude. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's nice happenstance just that you, you happen to like basketball and uh, could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I ha- we'll get into it, but uh, I hope I don't disappoint you because uh, I'm not quite quite like uh, a sporto, uh, like really knowledgeable. Like if you were, I have a twin brother, and if you did him, he would talk your <laughs> about uh, the Warriors and stuff, but. I'll do my, 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 I'll explain it, but yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, there's a whole range of, of people that come on and experiences, but, uh, you know, as long as you're, you're somewhat into basketball, that's really all that counts. And we'll talk about a lot about music as well. And I think we'll actually start off with that. The first thing I like to ask people as they come on is what are you currently listening to? Um, well, uh, I, you know, I, I don't really change that much what I listen to. Mm-hmm. Like things come in in my life and out of my life. Um, I'm re- like, I don't know how much you know about Sam I Am. Do you know Sam I Am a lot or a little mm-hmm. bit? Yeah. So a lot of people figure that I'd be really interested in uh, like hot water music and uh, and stuff, uh, which, I, you know, I'm friends with them. Um, but in reality, like, you know, I like '60s music. I like uh, indie rock, and I mm-hmm. love older punk rock. But I'm just like new punk rock doesn't really do it. Anything. And when I say new, it kind of stopped in yeah. the '90s because <laughs> I'm so old, right? I feel and you. Every once in a while, there's things that come in punk rock that I love, um, but typically that's yeah, not really my bags. Particularly like modern kind of like mm-hmm. metal hardcore that's really popular nowadays, uh, and anything with yelling like. <laughs> Or anything trying to be like very macho. And when I say macho, I mean, there's women doing it too. So like anything like tough woman or tough man, like it doesn't really go for me. But lately um, there is a punk band called Melted that I like that, you know, they put out a first record. It sort of sounded like Waves. I don't know if you know Waves. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like uh, in a Waves Fiddler vibe. And I heard some Joyce Manor in there. and then I met them and then I talked to them and I realized that realized that they were like unhappy with their first record. Oh. <laughs> and it was kind of produced that way. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen them like three times since and I realized they're much more like a punk band. Um, and it was just like a producer made them sound like the way that guy produced or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. Uh, you mentioned Fiddler. There's a lot of, tends to be a lot of that like fuzzy garage rock sound. And yeah, they're not into that too. Yeah. So like, they're more into like being like kind of they're from southern california so like the southern california like oh like i hear fear i hear a lot of angry samoans then i hear like other influences that are uh more melodic also but also that are more uh i don't know they're they're a really good band you should check them out they have a song that that the song that caught me was this uh song rage uh which is different it's you know i i know but uh, in general, like I listen to the same shit. And I have a long time. Like I love, I love Duster. I love like Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Thurston Moore's new stuff. Uh, like in the last five years. Yeah. Ten years, eight years or something. Ever since he stopped doing uh, the Chelsea Lights Band, which I didn't really go for too much. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I'm speaking stuff that you know about or, or whatever, but. Um, you know that he plays now with the drummer of Sonic Youth, Steve Shelley, and I just feel like those two guys have this magical co- connection. You know? Oh, sweet, yeah. Um, it's very unpopular. Like I don't know. I, you think that Thurston Moore, like a guy from Sonic Youth, he would be like play 
he would like get millions of streams and be playing like giant shows. I noticed when he plays, he plays in the smallest of clubs. Mm-hmm. He's put out a lot of records in the last couple of years. And I think it's because he's older and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he's yeah. Sort, of, sort of done it. He probably has a lot of money and, and has good income. So he doesn't want to do music for money. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's not trying to prove anything to anyone. And I find that very endearing. And I find it, find it like, you know, I'm old and <laughs> I, I and I've been old. I've been old, too old, kind of, to be in a band for a long time. Like, <laughs> I consider when you're like 32 or 33, it's like you're still doing this shit, you know? Or you, I, I have this feeling. Where I feel. I have a feeling like people like feel sorry for me. It's like, oh, <laughs> he still thinks it's like rock and roll thing will work out. But what they don't know is, I, there is no rock and roll thing for me. Like, I didn't. I never had dreams of doing it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to make it. Or you know, it, it's not the thing. Uh, but I always get like really like apprehensive of telling people I play music and stuff because they go like, like, yeah, this kind of pity tone, like what? Like, <laughs> Still? <"Yeah." laughs> and so I find a guy like Thurston Moore who does it in these in the 60s uh-huh. uh, just to be really inspiring because like, you know, like I don't want to get too weird, but like I feel like life is kind of an absurd thing, right? Totally. It's like there's there's two two ways to look at it. you can look at the material world where you like go to school get a job make money and a house and a car and all that and then there's the like the other like like spiritual or whatever how i don't know how you, how you want to say a uh world and if you look at through which depending on what lens you look at it if you look at through the material world it's like oh shit for example you go oh man sometimes like abject failure like what the fuck do you waste so much time <laughs> on that but then if you look at the uh you know the, the the other world like the world with all the wonder and like what the fuck are we doing here and like yeah, yeah. what is infinity like just all the like those kind of uh you know there's a bigger world out there besides conscious that we can touch and see every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then that one i just think like oh yeah life's a joke life's ridiculous and stuff uh you should just like do what you want and i, yeah. I i'm sort of doing that right i guess the trick in in our life is to try and make uh bridge gap between those two worlds right mm-hmm. you know because you don't want to just say fuck it like life's a joke and then you find yourself on skid row exactly <laughs> yeah cool so, uh, you know and then i listen to everything else i listen to like beatles or zombies and 60s music and soul yeah. and indie rock I, I really like a current indie rock band called oblov have you heard of them yeah they're super cool yeah they're they're like you know they're like really just have the spirit of like dinosaur jr like mm-hmm. in the 80s and, and early 90s and i love them but then uh, of course i always listen to bill spill and dinosaur jr and just like, yeah yeah on redhead um there's another great band like avlov that's um have you listened to prince daddy and the hyena i've heard of that are they from jersey uh they might be i want to say they're from toronto but maybe that's not right i think I've heard, from toronto. I've heard it i've heard of it and i've uh I want to check it out. It, when you have a cool guy name, mm-hmm. uh, you turn me off. So you, have to, <laughs> right? you turn a lot of people on with a cool guy name, and you turn me off. So, <laughs> like, uh, so I have to get over myself. So you need a really lame band name to to get your interest. Uh, not 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 not, so, not necessarily lame, <laughs> but like when it's really cool. A lot of times I get turned off because. Uh, sure. Like you say that name, and I just think of a dude walking down Bedford in Williamsburg, and he's like a really ultra cool nerd <laughs> and pretentious, and I fucking hate you. Totally, uh, totally. And that's me, not them. Like, <laughs> not that they're crying that I'm not like all over them. They're not, but uh, yeah, I'm a weird cool. guy. Yeah, get over it. But I'm gonna t- because of you, Matt. I'm gonna check that shit out. Well, awesome. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, so honestly, obviously, you, uh, Sam, I am recently put out a new album uh first one in like what 12 12 years yeah it's a really long time what made you guys want to kind of come back together and and put out a new album uh well we didn't come back together really um yeah. we've been touring every year and in between and stuff mm-hmm. you know like sam i am i often like say this and repeat my, i feel like i repeat myself but people aren't always listening to me so i'm not repeating myself to people who are like currently <laughs> But uh, I have to say, like, we broke up around 2001 after we finished touring for uh, the record that came in 2000 called Astray. Mm-hmm. 
um, our old guitar player left and me and him were sort of like musically and business-wise, we're sort of like partners of the band uh, with Jason, the singer. Uh, and when he left, there was this giant shift. Uh, just a lot of shit happened. And I had even called up Jason, the singer and said, hey, I'm out because uh, we had a little rift over a Japanese tour that I spent all this time working. I just, I don't want to get into it. Um, and I actually like verbalized like, Hey, I'm done. Like fans over. I love you, but fans over. Uh, but then only took like within six months, we got an offer to go to Europe and when you went to Europe. Right. And then we just toured like, like in the 20 years since then, uh, we put out two other records besides the new one, but in 20 years, that's not a lot. Uh, but we toured Europe like every year we toured like Australia and South America and Japan. Um, you know, like, if not every year, every couple of years, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but in re in reality, even though we did put out those records and we toured every year, um, and sometimes twice a year, we'd go to Europe. Um, I feel like, you know, we were always a garage band. And then because of Nirvana and then Green Day and it's the music industry, we got signed by Atlantic and we turned into, without even us know knowing or thinking about it, we suddenly just like, went from a, a touring garage band, but a band that was just like put out indie records and 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 was not really not that far off from a garage band, uh, like any garage band, like your cousin's, 15-year-old cousin's garage band. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden for like about five or six years, we were like a major labor band. We have business managers and managers and big um, booking agents. And we went on big ass tours uh, and played TV shows and uh, we're on, was on the radio and stuff. Uh, and then we broke up, like I say, I mean, I use air quotes. I say broke up. Sure. But for the next 20 years, uh, we just went back to really operating, uh, as a garage band. And, and right now, like we're on a big, a bigger indie label right now. And we do have a booking agent in, in, in Europe or, or if we go to Japan or Australia, but in America, we, we don't have we actually tried to have a book age for about three weeks and we said fuck it uh, but we don't have managers we don't want a manager we don't have business managers we just try to do everything ourselves uh and that's because we just felt like for the years when we were like really serious and we had all, all that those people working for us it's everyone had their hand out and it was just like you know that you hear this all the time but the band's always the last person to get paid like yeah yeah in any, in any creative endeavor, endeavor, you know, when you get to the top of, of whatever creative endeavor you are, like people get rich off their art. But for the vast majority of people, you know, the band's the last person to get paid. And, you know, like say, you know, we played on third, um, uh, Friday in the Wiltern here in L.A. and we got $6,000. I, I hope it's not like uncouth to say, but we got paid $6,000 for that show, right? Like... I booked it because I'm friends with bands we played with. Mm -hmm. uh, but if some other guy that we hired to book us booked it, he would get $600 for that by writing an email and sending a form <laughs> contract, whatever. And uh, yeah, so so that's, you know, if we ever wanted to make, it's not going to happen, but like if we ever got bigger and we wanted to make a step up back into the music industry, sort of, I guess we could go and 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 do all those things, you know. I mean, I don't think you can really. I think it's really hard or impossible to get big um, without like a manager that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but I guess what it is really with us is that we're not really all that interested in being big, right? You know? Like, uh, and the thing about the booking agent, it was like I didn't want to have the booking agent. Bama talked about it, and it's okay. We'll try it out, and then uh, then they fired him. I didn't, but another guy in the band did uh and uh i was just like once we had him i was like whoa now you're firing him and i was like what the fuck are you doing uh and i feel like uh i don't know if i'm answering any question you asked but we're just like this garage band you're answering it perfectly yeah <laughs> and, and it's like uh you were a really overgrown one like we can go Berlin or Sao Paulo or Tokyo and get a big crowd and whatever and 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 people listen to us on, on Spotify and but some people buy our records or t-shirts or whatever but uh you know I just don't feel that we're that off 
and I think a lot of people who might be listening to this that don't know what the fuck Sam I am is like, yeah, of course you're you're a nobody, you're a grad man. <laughs> but some people are who've loved Sam I am for like decades, and there are people that have loved Sam I am for decades, think that we're like a band just like a big band is, and we really aren't, you know. Truly punk rock. <laughs> is that yeah. mentality? I, I, <laughs> I hesitate to agree with you on that. Yeah, like, yeah. It makes me sound like like oh yeah, we're hell of DIY and we're right. pop, blah, blah, blah. It's really not that as much as we're just half-assed and we just don't have <laughs> aspirations. You know, hey, like nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you, you're just you like to play music and that's just all you're doing, right? It sounds it sounds really cool to say uh, punk rock, and I wish I could right. just say yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah we're punk fucking punk, punk, <laughs> punk rock, or whatever. But the truth is that we're just a really half-assed garage band. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, with with Stowaway, did you guys release that yourself then? Stowaway, no, no. We're on a. a, a I mentioned that we're on a Pure Noise, which um, okay. In the, in the world of punk rock and indie rock and stuff, is a pretty big label in it these days. Um, in fact, you know, like I I work, I do graphic design, and I work for. Um, like Warner Music and, and other major labels. And when I'm in the lobby at Warner, for example, I'm looking at the shit in the walls and the <laughs> uh, through the uh, trade magazines. There's nothing rock in there. Like the, like maybe if you go through the alternative charts, you'll see Turnstile or the metal charts, you'll see Metallica. Mm-hmm. But really in music industry, like even Metallica, Green Day are not a huge player. It's like all these, like, it's really, it's, it's really like, like really good looking people that are dancers and DJs and stuff. It's like there's Soleil music industry, I feel like, right? <laughs> and, and there's nothing, there's there's really nothing less cool than guitars, for example. Um, but, Time, but times shift, right? You know, to, yeah, things change it, over time. In the in the in this small scope of what like independent music is, uh, pure noise is a pretty big player. Yeah, you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, so that's one way we're, we're like, you know, we're on Epitaph in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. We're actually in the world excluding America for like uh, most of our back catalog, and we have records on this record label, Hopeless, and um, and the new records on. You know, so like we are a pl- playing in the uh, in the realm of the music industry in the respect that we do have labels. We're not like putting our music out on our own. But, sure. Cool. Um, and then when's the last time you played with Knapsack? Uh, well, I did a band called Racket Club with a singer of Knapsack for a oh, number cool. of years. And we put out a record in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but right before that was the last time we played, Knapsack played. Um, that was New Year's Eve, I think, 2016. Okay. And then we had like our reunions, a uh, string of shows from uh, since, from 2013 to 2016. And then after that New Year's show, we sort of hung it up for the foreseeable future. Sure. And then and Blair and I did, did Racket Club. So that's sort of closed the book. And then it sort of opened up back now because Knapsack released the discography in uh, North America. So, you know, cool. uh, we got an offer to do Riot Fest next year. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll do Well, I don't know. I'd like to. But the thing is, is, when we did our reunion, we were like hand, like miles above uh, as good as we were back in the 90s. Because, mm-hmm. well, first of all, we had a really great bass player because uh, my friend um, Ed from Thrice played bass on the reunion. Oh, nice. But, but B, Blair had another... 12 or 15 years uh, with Jealous Sound and got way better yeah. and more confident um, about singing and playing guitar and standing in front of human beings, like re- revealing himself, right? Right, right. During the first part of Knapsack, the first uh, dance, before I was the band and uh, I joined right before the second record came out, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Before I was the band, I think it got a little bit bigger, tw- better towards the end. And not to sound like an asshole, but I think I helped make it better with my experience um, when I joined. Um, but we got to, we got pretty good by the end. But we were still like, let me put this up. We were just way better in the reunion, right? Sure. And so I was, to do another reunion, 
Now it's been like uh, seven years or something like that. We'd have to like really just like practice like the fuck out of it and get good again. Uh, and, and thrice is back together, so I don't mm-hmm. know if Ed would do it now because he's busy with his <laughs> like money band. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to do it, but I, I wouldn't want to do it half-ass. Like I wouldn't want to practice for like three days and then fly out to Riot Fest and play. Right. That would be cheapening everything, right? Well, if you do Riot Fest, I'm in Chicago, so you can count on me being there for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so I guess, you know, between Knapsack and Sam I Am and your, all your bands touring and, you know, like the nineties and early two thousands, are there bands you played with where this is kind of where we transitioned to basketball? Are there people that you talked basketball with on tours? Cause I, I, I find that a lot of times that's when, when people create that bond of talking basketball. Um, well, I have to probably explain something being on your podcast. Love, love me. Yeah. I touched it when we got into together. And that is, so I have a twin brother uh-huh. and my, my twin brother for the basketball angle uh, in sports in general would be like a way better um, <laughs> guest for you. Um, although like he has a cursory knowledge of, of like football and basketball and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, baseball, but he has like an encyclopedic kind of uh, for the Warriors and totally. and the A's and and which I think is kind of common. Um, but me, so like I've been doing this music thing and touring uh, since 1990, right? Mm-hmm. And so in 1990, I was like, you know, like a little squirt, like fresh out of college and. I just had this attitude, like, uh, for a number of years, like you put your children shit, you're like your, your short pants, um, like you leave that at home and then <laughs> now you're like touring and you're like, um, then I would do drugs and drink and fuck chicks or get together with women or whatever, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Sound like an asshole right there, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, and, and also I was really into skateboarding, um, and so, like, you know, there was, a, a, like, I, I, like I, I would say the whole 90s, really, like, my brother would try to talk, like, we used to talk sports to me. Um, and I would go, come on, man, what are you talking about that shit for? That's for, like, old people and young people, right? Yeah, right. In the middle. Uh, and so, you know, like, like when Run uh, TMC was going on, for example, right, I was like, when shit happens where your local team, when you're like that, right? When you're an asshole like that, I'm perfectly admitting that I'm like being an asshole. Like you'll pop in and check shit out. Like when something's popping off with your team, mm-hmm. right? And then the second they suck, you're like, this sucks. This is really <laughs> stupid. Uh, and the reason why I'm in like maybe like 15 years ago, like I, like I said earlier, that like I felt like I was an old guy in the band, maybe too old to be doing it, but I'm still doing it for, for whatever reason that I'm doing it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't meet strange women anymore. I don't do drugs. I don't even drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, now I don't even skateboard very much because like my old bones. like. <laughs> and so I, uh, it's actually a little bit depressing to me in a, a weird kind of way, but I found myself back being interested in, in sports and a, a lot of like what the basketball part of it is, it's like, well, if you're from, if you're from, if you lost your way, uh, if you lost your way from when I was a kid, right. I popped back in, uh, like, uh, uh, like in the mid nineties, cause Warriors were doing rad with a like sure. Hardway and, yep. and, and, Mullins or whatever. And then, you know, I faded and they fucking sucked for years. And then I came right back back with when Baron Davis and Don Nelson came back and they and made the playoffs a bunch. Right. And then I I fade I faded again. Um but I can remember exactly when I got back to the Warriors. Uh and that was uh I think it was actually Curry's second year. Mm-hmm. It was the year they went and played a play-in game and which they lost to the Lakers. Um, and that was the game that actually you could thank the Warriors, but that's when uh, Kobe, like they won, but Kobe uh, tore his uh, 
a case, yeah. right? Yeah. And that could have changed his career for the rest of his uh, life. Totally. Because um, I remember, and now this sounds really bad because he's not with us anymore. And I really do not mean to be disrespectful no, of, no, not of the all. dead. But I remember, like, I was at the sink, in down, I live in downtown LA, and I was at, uh, like a happy hour, but it's called the angry hour. And it's like a punk rock kind of, uh, Oh, cool. Like, like the punk rock DJ and it's in downtown LA and it's CD bar and they play punk rock and everyone there. It's all like punk rock and it's only on Fridays. And, but the TV was on because it was Lakers. And of course everyone there probably wanted the Lakers, but I remember, uh, just looking in the corner of my eye, seeing the score and going, Oh fuck. The, 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 the warriors are not back. <laughs> so we're gonna lose this um and then a little bit later seeing them carting off kobe and i go yes <laughs> like a total chicken shit uh or sport or whatever but you know i looked at the la times at that time and i uh this guy puerto rican uh guy, guy from puerto rico uh carlos uh who's younger than me uh worked there with me and he was really just like he played basketball also, but I think he played college actually in in Puerto Rico. Oh, cool. But, um, but he um, just like a like ultimate Laker fan, and um, I remember talking. He would talk my ear off about the Lakers, right? And then I said, "Yeah, well, you know, the Warriors are pretty good this year. Like they got this, you know, Clay Thompson guy, mm -hmm. and you now and this and Curry." And I even told him, "You, uh, you know." You look a lot like Stephen Curry, and actually, I remember he was kind of laughing and going, "Uh huh, yeah." Like, because the Lakers had just won, won, won it all uh, uh, either the year before or the year after. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he, he was like, sort of like patting me in the head about the like, "Oh yeah, cute little season for the Warriors." You know, I mean, I don't think anyone like thought that the Warriors. Uh, they, they had a kind of a bright future, but no one yeah. thought like anything was going to happen. Like what ended up happening the very next year, right? Yeah. Uh, but he was very. I said you kind of look like Jim, Jim Curry. Even Jim Curry is like a light skinned black guy, but he's a dark skinned Puerto Rican guy, and they're both thin and handsome guys, short hair or whatever. And I remember he was like patting my head about the the uh, Warriors like doing well, maybe yeah. to catch Lakers next year, but also like really like loving that compliment like oh thank you man <laughs> oh that means a lot thank you <laughs> well little did he know the the warriors went on to do some pretty good things in the next yeah. few years and so like but but um right around that time that's what is that is that 2010 or 11 i can't you know, my, yeah, my, uh, probably around 2011 what I, yeah because uh, i think that's when the lakers won okay so so the thing is um Right around that time, and the, it, give or take some years, but before that, the the 49ers, uh, like Kaepernick, came in and mm -hmm. they were they were good. Like like suddenly popped into the championship game or whatever, and then went to Super Bowl next year. And the A's also had good teams, so they didn't win anything, but they you know did pretty well. And suddenly, like especially basketball, though, I have to say, because like that was just like a, for a fan, like a dream sequence of. Sure. of time like if you're a fan like and your team does something like that um it just pulled me back in and then i i, I still think this way sometimes because being a fan is a really tough job meaning mm -hmm. you win it all and like 20 minutes after the last little block room video you get this sort of like empty or i don't know if you do but i do this empty feeling like well that doesn't change my life <laughs> right but right and then you go to sleep you wake up in the morning with a little euphoria but then that fades through the day and then a week later you're like we're world champions but who gives a fuck it doesn't affect right. my life anyway but unfortunately when you get invested and you lose your team loses like for example uh the 49ers this year uh uh they lost in this really sloppy way with injuries and stuff um mm -hmm. you know it it kind of put me in a funk for like a week and a half when they lost like doesn't it's not proportional to how high you get right and i remember when the warriors lost the raptors yeah it wasn't only that they lost um it was like their best re regular season record i think yeah there was a, a 73 and 9 
Yeah, and it just seemed like they were really destined. And also, you, know, you take a lot for granted when you when you when you do that well for that number of years. Um, but then it wasn't only the injuries; it was like even when the, both Clay and um, Curry were were uh, on court, there was this. I remember the, the Raptors just their D was just so amazing. I mean, both sides of the court were so amazing. But I remember like for several games watching, and it was like. There's huge stretch and stretches of like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, uh, where the Warriors couldn't score, and it yeah. looked like it was impossible to score. You know how when you like all teams face that, even the best sure. teams. And uh, but I felt like uh, that rap and and the and the Warriors went up front on that series too, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end, they just seemed so hapless, and then Clay got injured, and it just uh, and and. It just that one really stung, and I think it stung too because if you're a Warrior fan, your head was like in the clouds, and you had exactly worst thing as a fan is having expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, because like, that's why those first years are so like awesome. Like mm-hmm. even that even that first year that could have been just a one one year and out thing uh, when they lost in the play in because uh, uh, Lakers, uh, like I said that was a euphoric year for everybody. Like I was down here. I wasn't in Oakland, but I know people in Oakland were flipping their nards out because yeah. it's, like, it's been so long. Like, I mean, it's been years since we believe and they didn't win anything. Right. Right. Yeah. True. And, and uh, so, yeah. So I, th- I think you were underselling your, your level of knowledge on basketball a little bit. I don't think you're, I've definitely uh, talked to people with, with lower uh, basketball background. Well, I, I compared myself to my brother and my and we have this friend. We have two friends that come and watch Laker games. Uh, one you you, you you probably know about he, uh, my friend Jesse Michaels, who sang for Op- Operation Ivy. Okay, he yeah. Here and he loves the Warriors. And one's my friend uh, Juan Camacho. And I don't get like a super technical uh, basketball vibe from Jesse, but from Juan and my brother, they just know shit that I just sure. like over my head. And then they have like about the warriors, they have um, an encyclopedic, and I'm sure you do too, encyclopedic like um, thing about basketball where I'll say something, I'll fucking get it wrong. And they'll just go, let the men talk. Topics about it. To a degree, like I, you know, doing this podcast, like I am not the end all be all knowledge expert. I'm more of a fan perspective of, you know, basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, there's there's elements that I know about, and there's definitely gaps in my knowledge. I, I will, I'm the first to admit that. Yeah, I find um, I find the Warriors to be interesting because, like. Like if you live in the Bay Area now, you're like, I'm a diehard Warrior fan, but you have no idea what it was like to be a Warrior fan in the, yeah. in the like not the early '80s, for example, right? Or Don Nelson, uh, and you know, um, and then if you're a fan of because you got brought in by Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and maybe Durant and Green and and stuff. You have no idea what it's like to just have Baron Davis, or or, right. or or not even, yeah. Mon- you know? Monte Ellis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's other guys in it. Yeah, there's Warriors have like a rich history. I'm not. Yeah. Not, also, they have like a like a serious lull points, and you know, and just yeah, it's like every everyone says their team's hard to be fans of. Of course. Uh, and uh but you feel it and current warriors fans they're like oh that strike seeds i mean that a pandemic uh uh season um if you don't count that year right yeah, yeah. it like, was a, it was a fun year for sure it was fun like, to yeah, watch but it, but not not as a warrior fan it's uh, true true but the warriors have been good for like besides that year like seven or eight years or whatever so it's mm-hmm. like like really good, like in the hunt. Even this year, they they have like this like abysmal like like uh, road record where you're just like, this is the worst team ever. If you yeah. don't look at the thing, and somehow they still ended like five or six games over five hundred. And now we have a new season. Who knows? Anything could happen. Right, right. In the history I, books. The you all they'll see say they won this year. All they'll see is 
back to back again. Right. Curry uh, even uh, pretty much said he's like, we're just like hanging around until playoffs start. Yeah, but you don't lose <laughs> that many games. I know. Like, no, it's more than that. The, yeah. I think in the way you say that and you commit yourself that when you're like, there's some kind of chemical imbalance with that team. Right? Yeah. Because as far as I know, nothing like that's ever happened before. We have such a disparity between home. And I don't know what exactly happens at home, really. I, I mean, I, I actually don't understand what happens uh, with right. sports home it's like uh like if you're say you're a yankee player right it's like you love your fans because when you're doing bad they'll throw like batteries at you so you have to play well yeah and or they'll boo the shit out of you you don't really love your fans like it's like having a a girlfriend or a boyfriend that like beats you but sometimes it's nice to you right so i don't understand why it's such an advantage because i would be cynical about fans like, <laughs> yay 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 when you're playing a home game i'd be like yeah yay now but what happened like right, in my right. giant like 3 for 30 slump last month <laughs> when you're booing me right but i don't know something about being home i don't know totally um so I, have you been have you been trying to pay attention this this season at all like how do you how do you feel about uh playoffs cuz it's it's about to it's about to go down it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. The, the Warriors in general, but also like Thompson, like I like, you know, I was really excited for Thompson get kept back after two years. Mm-hmm. And then like he had a great first game when he got back and the second game he sucked. And then uh, like when I watched games for the season, it was like Jekyll and Hyde, just like yeah. you sort of like the poster child for the team. Cause Curry will go on little mini slumps, but like the whole time I've been following Curry, he's never been in a really big slump. He's always been kind of Mr. Dependable. Um, True. I feel like Thompson has been just like this this Warrior season. It's just like sometimes you just look like he can't make a bat- basket save his life almost. And 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 it, and it's it's under a microscope because it doesn't dissuade him from trying over and over again. He he could be over seven and threes and he'll still yeah. shoot eights. Well, it also might be some less pressure because there's, you know, before he got injured, Jordan Poole wasn't exactly who he is now. So you got Jordan Poole who's kind of taking that load off of Clay a yeah. little bit. Yeah, but shouldn't that help him? It's, it's, yeah, true. You would think so. It hurts him. But, yeah, I mean, Thompson plays a lot of minutes, so, yeah. you know. I, I, I do think, uh, we, you know, I don't know what you think, but are we on the downward trend of uh, is, is, is the Warriors' time running out? It is if people like, I would say Wiseman, but Wiseman's gone now. But cool yeah. that Kaminga. Cool like, seems like he could replace like even Curry, really. Like maybe he won't be as great as Curry in the heights of Curry, but he could be like a total franchise player. And then yeah. I, I mean, people probably don't agree, but I love like other like guys like like uh, Gary Payton. Like mm-hmm. last year, I couldn't. Well, they had to get rid of him. Right cap but like i thought like he was like he was so good last year i know and it's because he was a surprise yeah but i'm mean, poor was kind of it's kind of a surprise true I mean, not, not a surprise surprise because you i don't know how high he was picked but i think he was like first round right yeah he was a lottery pick or at least just outside a lottery but he was first round yeah yeah so like but gary payton i feel like just came out of kind of nowhere and then Wiseman, my brother and I talk about Wiseman all the time because, because he's done, he has done well in the war when he was still in the Warriors. He had done well, but even when he did well, he looked scared and he looked really super young and he looked like a, yeah. The amount of time someone threw to him and it went through his hands, uh, because he just just wasn't there yet, right? And the injuries uh, too. Let alone injuries, like he yeah. looks skinny. Like, and he looks like a guy that would get injured, right? <laughs> Easy for me to say sitting on a couch, of course. <laughs> right, right. It's not like an asshole. <laughs> like too late. But um, but there's, I don't know, there's other guys that could stack up stuff. I mean, I do think there's been a downward trend, like, because, you know, they say like 27 is the ripe spot for, for, for players, you know, which I don't know if that's true or anything. Sure. But, if you're 33 now, then then you're six years past your prime, right? So 
I think if they, you know, f- shuffle around, I think Draymond and Clay's maybe not Clay, but Draymond's time is probably ending with the Warriors soon. And then, but you got Kaminga and you got Poole. Um, so there's, they just have to like shuffle it around a little. Yeah. And st- they can still stay competitive. I wish my dream, like, and like, would be if they got Damian Lillard. Like, oh, I, don't I mean, think yes. They, they necessarily <laughs> need that position right but i just feel yeah. like he's i mean he's a, just so likable yeah he's likable and i just feel like he could be like one of those kind of like just like the way like durant came in it was such sure. a cabinet for them it could be a cow like i wouldn't say the same thing about a lot of players like great players like like you get kyrie irving i was like oh no it's gonna blow up the team anymore <laughs> Well, yeah, I feel like uh, that's like kind of anti Lillard's prerogative, though. He's been very much like I, I just want to do this on my own sort of thing, which is clearly is not working. It's not It's not working for <laughs> Portland either. No, so. no. Um, cool, man. So the other thing I, I mentioned in the email is uh, there's a little game sometimes we like to play where we we kind of take some players and come up with what band they might correlate to or musician they correlate to whether it's how they play what era they're from how they dress or how they look whatever coming up with the justification is is part of the fun so um this could this could be fun to do if you want to participate in that Uh, yeah i do i like the way that you're you're like a smart podcast host and you want to have people like think about it and people can't think about it like um on the fly or then it, it, it doesn't work out all very often yeah so like you sending like that in an email like a kibbit so to speak is i find that to be very smart of you or maybe Good maybe you did that in the beginning maybe you did it and it sort of backfired people were just saying like oh i think he's like van halen i don't know what i just do and then you're like yeah, I've, I've had one or two where uh you know someone's like oh you know i didn't i didn't see that or whatever and it's uh it's it ends up being try, a mutual trying to figure it out but it's it's more fun to compare our answers i think um, it'd be interesting like you're like for me you're gonna get an answer from a fan perspective great. Uh, which is more like the aura of a player right, right? Yeah. Or, or the myth of the player it'd be interesting if you you know do this podcast with players and there would be more about like who they really are on the court and their abilities. Like it reminds me like that guy's like, that guy has so much soul in him. He's like Al Green or whatever, oh, right? Yeah. The way, way he does everything, the way he shit talks, the way he dribbles and his like sly passing. It's like, yeah. I mean, I would love that. <laughs> but like the nuances of, of that are lost on me, right? Because I'm just sitting on the couch watching TV. Sure. So it's more about my impressions of people or maybe like the, the arc of their career more yeah. than that, I, I actually did a lot answer. of that too. You so what? I did a lot of that too, actually, of like career arcs and things like that. Right. Um, so why don't, why don't we get into it and we'll, we'll, we'll start with the first one and you can go first uh, and we'll do Baron Davis first. So, yeah, so Baron Davis, I'm glad, I'm glad that I was like familiar with all the people that you, that you had on this list, because if you said, like, if you said like, like Tim Hardaway, for example, that would yeah. be kind of hard for me because, because in that era, I wasn't paying attention that much right. and he was part of like a trio kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, for those years, cause I think that trio is like one of the highest scoring, uh, trios like you know like when you you talk about the pairs of today they're like even baron davis was a struggle coming up with something but the thing uh, the thing about baron davis though that makes it easy for me from my perspective was like so like i say like i just popped back in in that period because i wasn't like huge and um and 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 my brother you know talking my ear off about it like uh was named us that so so my takeaway from him though what was like he came in and and sort of saved the team sort of uh and what that the old chestnut people love to say this when they're talking about players but he made everyone around him play better they say about that about mullen all the time yeah, too. yeah. And, and a lot of different people they say that about uh green draymond green too whether, whether people like him or whatever 
But Baron Davis, my, I, I, ta- I told my brother that I was doing this, and he was talking about, he, he tried to, you try to tell me a bunch of shit to, um, to, to memorize, like as if, as if I memorize, <laughs> do this. Um, you come with cue cards. Yeah. 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 Because, because, and then I said, no, that's not going to work. I'm not going to freaking um, <laughs> do that because if I pretend like I'm Mr. Know everything about uh, basketball, like I don't, I don't, I don't know this guy, Matt, he'll, he'll poke holes in it right away. Or listeners will just, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> and really can't fake that. Right. Yeah. Um, be true anyway, to yourself the thing about him is that he did that my brother said that uh, he, he brought up what, what was that Latvian center get his name this is uh, uh, there's a center uh, that sucked and then Baron Davis came in and my brother like oversimplified it and he said basically hey dude park it under the under the, uh, the hoop and I'm going to be feeding you and all you have to do is like like get on your tippy toes and, you, and dunk it. Mm-hmm. And he, and the, my, my brother was, this is my brother's idea, but um, he like, he, my brother said he got a ton of people paid. And that guy too, is it Petrus? I forget what his Andres, name was. Andres Biedrins. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like he sucked the year yeah, before. Yes. Was, yes. Like what I described Wiseman to be. Uh, and then the next year he got something like a $30 million contract. And my brother said, there's no fucking way he would ever have gotten that contract if it wasn't for uh, Baron Davis. And he used to, like what I said, he said, he said, my brother said, he goes, just, hey, big guy, go stand under the hoop. I'll feed <laughs> and that, And then he faked everyone out and made him seem like good. Um, but he was also the star of the team, like, because he came in and suddenly they, they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was just like the super superstar of the team and stuff. So in that respect, I sort of, also because of the Bay Area, uh, just a Bay Area thing, uh, team. I just feel like they're, uh, I call him like the Metallica uh, character okay. because he came in and he was the rock star mm-hmm. of the Bay Area. Um, and the thing about him too is he had such a cool story because like um, he wanted to be an actor, which he did after basketball, which I thought was kind of cool. He, he was, was in like, that Christmas movie with Seth Rogen. Uh, which one? He's been the, in a lot. Of the night, the night before. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of acting and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember I worked at, like I told you before, I worked at LA Times, and every year in the LA Times, uh, that owner, dickhead Sterling. Uh, <laughs> During uh, Black History Month, he put a full-page ad in um, in the LA Times, which costed I don't know tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And uh, did he put like Rosa Parks on there? Did he put like a, a, a black uh, basketball player? Did he put a civil rights leader? Did he put Malcolm X? No. Full-page pad every year. A big old picture of him. Jesus. Face. And it was like he got someone laid out. It's probably some intern or something that looked like shit and it was covered with words of gobbledygook and stuff and that that was back when the clippers just like always sucked like yeah yeah good like eight or nine years ago they just i think they had a losing record every single year they were not or close to it uh and he was just like this right but um i remember uh back then talking uh to that guy carlos about it and he liked the clippers too although he was thinking but he goes, oh, man, I, I heard an interview with um, Baron Davis because Baron Davis went to the Clippers from uh, from the Warriors, right? Sure. And and Baron Davis said uh, playing for Sterling was, was a nightmare because because uh, he would, uh, with friends of Baron Davis, he would refer to Baron Davis as fat and stupid and lazy. Odd. Yeah, because he paid him so much, and the thing is, he got injured, and that he like that is another interesting thing about him is that he got injured. I think, uh, he went to UCLA, I yeah. think, and he got injured as a rookie, like a really bad knee injury, and he came back from that. Mm-hmm. And then I guess in the Clippers, or maybe it was the next year, the Knicks, I think, or Cleveland. I, I don't know. Where I think he, he bounced around after the Warriors yeah. a little bit. But he got uh, another knee injury that was equally as bad bad as that not ended here but 
but to come back from like a torn ACL or whatever it was, I don't know. He's a cool player. Like yeah. before, like Steph Curry and and the stars that we've had in recent years. Like he was the biggest thing ever to happen here. Like I mean, you have the Mullins, you have the the uh, Richmond and and Rick Barry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things, but like I feel like Baron Davis was like the first bona fide rock star of, yeah. uh, of basketball. I mean, with that team, he had such a personality that was so exciting. Yeah, and then um, he, he, yeah, you know, you whatever. But yeah, uh, so my pick was was also based on his career arc a little bit because he, you know, when he got drafted, he had like immediate, he had some immediate success to a degree. You know, with the Hornets, he was he was pretty good. Um, but then it wasn't until um, he got in the Warriors that he really had his peak success, and that's why I picked Modest Mouse. Um, because I feel like you know those first couple albums were great; they were awesome, and and honestly, I prefer those albums. Um, but when, once Flo Don came out, they got that success yeah. and they got that popularity. Flo Don, Flo Don success, yeah. So I feel like Flo Don is his his time with the Warriors. Nice. And uh, yeah, that was modern, a, that's modern, a modern poetic modern. answer right there. Yes, that's what I'm I going went, for. I went for the long winded like answer, <laughs> and you came with the sweet, short, concise poetic it, answer. I, you know, I've done this uh, twenty-five times by now, so you know, I've gotten I've gotten used to it. Um, cool. So the next one on the list is Chris Mullen, as we had previously mentioned. Yeah, Chris Mullen. You know, not to bring race into it, but I feel like anytime there's like a white dude, uh, in the back of my my mind, I always think, isn't there a black dude that's better than him in that position that could have? <laughs> Same thing like with boxing. It's like very rarely do you see a white guy beaten down, like which uh, we're lame. I don't know what it is, you know. It's like, um, but Chris Mullen was one of those like he's another guy that like was so well liked and respected. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and and he came twice to Warriors, which was kind of neat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like, was he like the general manager or something? Uh, I think he had a management position. Yeah. Um, but he's also like kind of working man. And, and like, he wasn't like, I mean, of course he was like really athletic, but he wasn't fast. So he's one of those guys that had to like do like some develop the outside shot or whatever, right. you know, um, to make up for some of his shortcomings. So it's like, I just feel he has like this working class thing. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh, nice. I totally see that. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Um, yeah, the working class vibe works. I so for me, Chris Mullen. I uh, my immediate reaction is just like the just one word. It's fundamentals, right? <laughs> but he like does it like really well, and I feel like a band that makes a basic sound sound like really well and and kind of. The, just like a little more over the top than that is the white stripes. I feel like Chris 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 Mullins the white stripes because it's you know it's such a I guess they, especially when they were starting it was a classic like rock and roll sound, um, but you know Jack White on guitar really kind of elevated it a little bit. So I feel like that's kind of where I, I went with it. I I totally am with you uh, on on the Jack White because he is this phenomenal guitar player and everything, right. songwriter and singer and everything. And I love Meg White's drums. In fact, like, there's been a lot about her lately, which is kind of weird that she like brought the white stripes down or something. How can she bring them down? She, I she, know. But the thing is, is that like she doesn't have the fundamental. <laughs> she has the it factor and she has the vibe factor, but she doesn't have the fundamentals. So that's if I was going to nitpick, if I was sure. going to read your essay um, <laughs> uh at allergy i might take a couple points out I, you know I, I appreciate that though and you know i need to be taken down because if i've done this so many times i need to know for that i can do better <laughs> uh all right so the third one is is we're back to more of the modern team and that's jordan pool yeah we talked about him i feel like particularly last season like he was like one of the big pieces of the puzzle and mm-hmm. uh, like i was just all season, like I was surprised he didn't like start more games because I just felt like, damn, this guy's like 
well, people said it too, like a third splash brother. Yeah. But I feel like he's kind of like seems like an inevitable like franchise tag kind of player. So like I I try to think of a band that's currently there's not a lot, a lot of bands that are like the next big thing or whatever. Um but uh first style, like they're like a band that like out of the little world, like punk rock world I come from, it's like no one has hit it out of the park. Uh sort of capture capture the imagination of like young people since like I like I think like at Driving's like a band that in the same way that um at the Driving was around two thousand yeah. or before that Green Day was around nineteen eighty three. And before that, Nirvana was like 1991, where it's like every couple of years, a, uh, a band comes out and they're the shit, undeniably the shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't even really love Turnstile. I'm not really like, it's not my vibe, but uh, I really appreciate them. I think the world's a better place for them. And uh, I think they are like the great rock hope. Like in recent year or two people have been talking about maybe maybe rock will make a turn uh come back but they're not necessarily saying it because the band's like turnstile they're saying it because that dipshit uh machine gun kelly <laughs> right? yeah yeah so that's a very disingenuous uh idea come here. no no we're on we're on the same page there in fact uh this is a first and we have the same response uh, oh, really? I also had turnstile. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Same wavelength. Yeah. I feel like they're just like they came in very hot and they think I they think quite highly of themselves and but uh I think also maybe deservedly so. Like they're Yeah. So not only deserving so so, but like if you I met the singer uh before Turnstile got huge. They were already really big. And, and he, he was, was in Trapped uh, Under Ice, right? He was, but I met him at uh, uh, a Angel Dust show. Like he played played guitar with the singer Mm -hmm. of Trapped Under Ice. And uh, yeah, he was really nice, sweet, like humble kid uh, that I was talking to. Uh, You know, I would for for all for all he knew, uh, I was just some guy. Like I didn't say, hey, I play in bands too or anything. And he talked to me all the time, and I was like, wow, this guy's really nice or whatever. Cool. Um, so I think, and I've, I've, I've read interviews since they've gotten huge and he, he references, uh, other smaller bands and sort of like the scene that he came up from, whereas a lot of other, uh, people get big and it's like, yeah, I'm dating Megan Fox now, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. That's, that's awesome though. That's the, that's definitely a first, first. So I'm glad to see we're on the same wavelength there. Yeah. Um, Lastly, obviously, we had to do Steph. Yeah. Well, you know, he's like, like, uh, um, did I even say who, who Baron Davis? Uh, you said band? Metallica, didn't you? Okay. I meant to say Nirvana. Why did I say Metallica? Oh, yeah, I That's don't know. Nirvana, I mean, Nirvana's a, oh, but I thought I about feel it, like the reasoning yeah. is like similar. Yeah. But anyway, um, I mean, that leaves Nirvana open, but so like, I just think it's curious, like the guy, he's like LeBron or like uh, Michael Jordan or like, um, you know, all the, all the greats, like he was a great when he was 28 or whatever, like he was already in the hall of fame when he was 28 and it's yeah. like, got common, like, I mean, unless he like got in a car accident or actually that would probably make him even more of the great, but um, it just seems so inevitable, like first year, uh, uh, eligible, you'll make the Hall of Fame, and yeah. you know, break all sorts of records. Like, unless something happens, like I don't see with all those three points uh, how he's not going to overtake LeBron eventually. Um, so, so it's like in rock, it's like I like I, you see, I either like Green Day or, or or Nirvana. Like Green Day, like you know, not my favorite band, but they're the biggest of, the, of that heap of that world. Yeah. Like you. You got your fallout boy, you got your Weezer, you got your Foo Fighters, you got whatever, but being it's just like the biggest one. Sure. At the end of the day, you know, maybe in some stats, Foo Fighters are bigger than them, but Foo Fighters are like a corporate rock band with no <laughs> soul. Like, yeah. I'm not saying they're good or bad, but they have no soul. But they do, because they do like Chevy commercials or GMC right. commercials. Harley Davidson. They don't take a stand against um 
they didn't take a stand against Bush. They don't take a stand against Trump. They don't make statements about abortion or anything like that. I'm not saying that Green Day are some like uber political band. And I don't, I also think Green Day sometimes like are kind of a cartoon character yeah. of a political band, like the American Idiot thing. Right, right. But they're, as people, like they, they're not going to be quiet about like all the stuff they don't like they're against uh sell more records or to, to do sure. a, a truck commercial or a beer commercial so in my when i look at like food fighters for example or green day and not to pick on food fighters but like i just feel like green day are kind of in the top you know i mean you got guns rose and you got metallica i guess yeah yeah so, I, I might i might give it to food fighters on that one actually ahead of green day i feel like yeah, like longevity wise, I wonder if maybe they've had more sustained success. Whereas, um, Green Day's have up and ups and downs. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's yeah. I feel I, I feel you on Foo Fighters though, just because uh, I think my my interest in them left when William Goldsmith was kind of kicked out. So, uh, so I'm, that, I'm, that didn't bother me like it bothered a lot of people. And the reason why it doesn't bother me is because, like. I don't know how much of an asshole or not an asshole that Dave Grohl might have been in, in that, but ultimately he's a better drummer than uh, William Goldsmith. Taylor, at least, at least playing his own songs, sure. right? And so, you know, I always think about like Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur Jr. It's like they have a drummer, and then they have the singer guitar player who's a better drummer than the drummer. <laughs> And there's always make a big stink about Jay Maskus. Sometimes they made a stink him being an asshole because he would play drums on um, on Dinosaur Junior records. But like, I can always tell when he plays. Yeah, I can tell it's because it's so much better, right? Sure. And in sure. recent years, he's let the drummer just play all the drums, and guess what? Records aren't as good. <laughs> But but I I was right with there with you from the Sunny Day fan from the beginning. Or yeah, yeah. Like it, but now when I look back, I have a little bit of sympathy towards Draco. Like it is his solo project. And there's nothing against Taylor Hawkins. He's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Um. But okay. I think so they let him. I think they let him play. Like the irony is that he let him play uh, after they kicked out William, and surely William. Was did passable drum parts, right? Because he's a great drummer. Like, yeah. But you might be right. Maybe the Foo Fighters are commercially a bigger band. Uh, I oh, just, I'd say either one is about right for Steph. I think it's once you get to that level, it's all kind of a little bit like the same. Right? Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Green Day, uh, that. Uh, um, sure. But I just think that, like, there's a certain amount of respect that people have for Green Day that they don't have for Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters yeah. are like a pure, pure corporate. And, <laughs> you know. Totally. Uh, so my pick for Steph was like I, I think in a somewhat similar vein is that uh, it's just, I needed to pick a band that kind of like changed the game a little bit. Um, so I went with Iggy and the Stooges. Nice. Uh, just because you know it really kind of changed the way like punk rock is a little bit in that era. And, um, it, you know, Iggy himself is like very timeless and just kind of persistent throughout his whole life. So I feel like Steph kind of has that, that presence and he always will. I, I love it, but they went through so much adversity and Steph, <laughs> you have to go through any of it. Yeah, true. But, but like, I could see him ending his career without any adversity. That's that's very true. I mean, he's barely even got injured, you know? Yeah, I feel like this year was the most he was injured, and that was like he missed, what, a month total? He's had a couple of, like, month and a half spells. Yeah. But okay. I feel like uh, we had some we had some good answers in there. I feel like that, that turnstile thing kind of blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really good. I hope we're right, too. I yeah, right? That pool... Ends up being the Warriors franchise. Yeah. Player because um, they are getting everyone is getting older and it's like uh, like Splash Brothers aren't going to be able to be doing it when they're thirty seven. <laughs> totally. 
Um, but that's that's about all I got. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking basketball, even if you were a, a little worried that you weren't going to have enough uh, knowledge. You, did, you know, sports fans, like, you know the guys on ESPN, like, the, uh, what's the guy that's always yelling? Uh, Stephen A. Smith, yeah. Yeah, Stephen A. And even that, uh, the Max Kellerman, like, when he's not, when Stephen A. Smith's not there, when, like, and he has his whipping boy, like, he just yells and stuff. And it, I feel like people that are really into sports can be just really irritated by people that are casual. That's not like me. That. That's not me. I, it's, uh... I'm I'm just a fan, and I I am often wrong. <laughs> so yeah, you made me feel like uh uh, uh what's the opposite of uneasy? What, what you made me feel like uh, comfortable with welcomed being on, at ease. Know, yes, at ease. Yeah, at ease. Right. <laughs> well, Even cool man. He was just yelling like <laughs> like that, talking shit about the Foo Fighters. She no, no, dog's a big Foo Fighters fan. Uh. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking. Yeah. So that's going to be it for this one. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sergi. Make sure you check out Sam Am's new album called Stowaway. It should be available on their website and on all the streaming platforms. Um, I'd also like to mention that we still have a lot of those Godspeed You Black Emperor shirts with the lift your skinny fist graphic shooting the basketball that's on indiebasketball.com you want to buy a bunch of those uh, otherwise you can check us out on twitter and instagram and uh, tiktok we've uh, had a little bit of a moment on tiktok you can follow us on there um, and support us on patreon because uh, you're going to get early access to podcasts like this uh, and you're going to get lots of other goodies including playlists but most importantly you're going to help us do more half court sessions in 2023 so would really appreciate your support on that it's at patreon.com slash indie basketball but thanks for listening